Blog Talk Radio. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. And you can listen to messages, and you can send messages to the show on Twitter, at GoForItCant. And while you're there on Twitter, give me a follow, at GoForItCant. Great show lined up for you tonight. Expected to be joined by one of the newest members of BET's hit series, The Game, Jay Allison. Jay is a big-time Lakers fan. Jay is a big-time 49ers fan. And Jay is going to be playing a running back on BET's hit series, The Game. He's going to be one of the newest members of The Game. And we look forward to talking to Jay about the game and talking to Jay about his Los Angeles Lakers as well. And his Lakers, and I'm going to tell Jay this, his Lakers happen to be the second best team in L.A. Not the best, like they've been for many, many years, but the second best team in L.A. You would have thought with the addition of Dwight Howard, with the addition of Steve Nash, with the addition of Antoine Jameson, that the Lakers, not the Clippers, the Lakers would be the best team in L.A. But as it turns out, the best team in L.A. happens to be the Los Angeles Clippers. Yes, the Clippers, the Clippers who have been a bad franchise, a sad sack franchise for many, many years. Yes, those Clippers. Those Clippers. These are not your father's Clippers. This is not your father's Clippers. Clippers. This is a whole different Clipper team. This is the best team in L.A. And we're going to talk to Jay about that because reality is reality. Reality is reality. The best team in L.A. resides with the Clippers. The red, white, and blue Clippers. They are the best team in L.A. They're still getting around that. This team beat the Spurs last night in San Antonio, second time they beat the Spurs this season. This team beat the Miami Heat. This team beat the Lakers. This team beat the Memphis Grizzlies. So you're talking about one – this team has beaten five of a, or a four – of the best teams in the NBA. This team has beaten four of the best teams in the NBA, arguably, at this stage of the game. Four of the best teams in the NBA. The Clippers have beat them. The Clippers have beat them. Yes, the Clippers. The Los Angeles Clippers. That team. Chris Bosh and them. That ball club. That team, this is a team now 8-2, and two, 
including 3-0 and on the road, including 3-0 and on the road, 3-0 and on the road. They beat Memphis. I mean, they beat the Grizzlies. They beat the Lakers. They beat the Spurs twice. They beat the Spurs twice. This is the best team in L.A. This is the best team in L.A. And it may stay that way for the rest of this season. This is a deep basketball team in Clipperland. Clipper Nation has to be very happy right now. Clipper Nation has to be very happy right now. This is the best team in the Western Conference right now. Maybe in the NBA at this stage of the game. I mean, they haven't beaten the little sisters of the poor. They haven't beaten the little sisters of the poor. The Grizzlies are not the little sisters of the poor. The Lakers are not the little sisters of the poor. San Antonio is not the little sisters of the poor. The Miami Heat, the world champion Miami Heat, they're not the little sisters of the poor. So as far as I'm concerned, this Los Angeles Clippers team is the best team in the Western Conference and maybe the best team in basketball. Maybe the best team in basketball right now, the Los Angeles Clippers. The Los Angeles Clippers. And oh, by the way, oh, by the way, Grant Hill is still in a suit. Grant Hill is still on a, in a suit. Chauncey Big Shot Billups is still wearing a suit. Lamar Odom, they're not getting a lot of uh, minutes or production out of Lamar Odom. Not, not saying that's going to change, but they're not getting a lot out of Lamar Odom. So, I'm looking at this and I'm saying to myself, the sky's the limit for this team. This could get better. This really could get better for the Los Angeles Clippers. They are that good, I believe. They are that good. They are that good. They really are. And I'm interested to see what they do tonight. Go to Oklahoma City. Obviously, you're going to Oklahoma City, OKC. That's going to be a tough place to play. That's a tough place to play. Oklahoma City defended their home court like no other a year ago. They defended their home court like no other a year ago. So that's going to be a tough place to win. It's always been a tough place to win, Oklahoma City. I mean, it's a great home court. This is a ball club right now that's 5-2 and two at home. Eight and three at this point of the season, so it's going to be a tough place to. It's a tough place to play. I mean, that's a. It's like a college atmosphere there in Oklahoma City. It's a college-like atmosphere in Oklahoma City. So that's going to be a tough place to play for the Los Angeles Clippers. A tough place to play, and this was an Oklahoma City team a year ago who was twenty-six and seven at home. So they defend their home court. There's no getting around that. And again, it's still early in the season. We got a lot of basketball to be played, folks. Clippers only played ten games. We got seventy-one big games to play. A lot can happen in seventy-one games. So there is a lot of basketball that needs to be played at this time. 
A lot of basketball. A lot of basketball that has to be played. But as far as I'm concerned, right now, right now, if I was doing power rankings, after what the Clippers have done to this point and the teams they have beat, Memphis is up there too. The, the Grizzlies, we talked about their, the week that they had a week ago, where they beat the Heat, where they beat Oklahoma City. I mean, the Memphis, and they beat the Knicks, who were undefeated at the time. So, Oklahoma City, Memphis, those are, and, and the Clippers, you know, you're talking about one of the better teams in basketball at this point. Of course, you got the Heat. The Knicks are, are up there, 7-1, and one, playing big-time basketball. And I talked about this with the Knicks. It should be very interesting to see what happens when Amari Stoudemire comes back. The reality is you can't move his – I mean, any deal is movable, but that's going to be a tough deal to move. The contract is uninsurable. So it's going to be a tough deal if you're talking about trading in Amari Stoudemire. That's going to be a tough move to make. I don't know how many teams out there are clamoring for the services of Amari Stoudemire. I just don't. I don't think there's many. I don't think there's many teams out there clamoring for the services of Amari Stoudemire. It just is what it is. And it's, it's, you've seen Stoudemire and Melo together. It hasn't been good for the New York Knicks when those two have been playing together. It hasn't been good. It's either this team has been successful in one, either the one is out. When either Melo or Stoudemire is out, not when they're together. Because at this point, it hasn't been a perfect combination. It has not been a perfect combination. But we'll see. We'll see. Again, a lot of basketball to be played. A lot of basketball to be played. And speaking of that, Andrew Bynum. I talked about Andrew Bynum on Saturday as well. I'm talking about Andrew Bynum again. The guy apparently had a setback, and that setback came from bowling. Bynum was bowling, and the bowling caused a setback. It caused a setback for Andrew Bynum. It caused a setback. For Andrew Bynum. And you wonder at this point. You, you, you're wondering whether or not now I'm starting to get a I'm a six I'm starting to get a little concerned at this time. I, I don't know if Andrew Bynum will ever play this season. And you know what? As a Sixers fan and you know, just watching this team the reality is, last season with Andre Iguodala, they went as far as they could go. That team maxed out. They maxed out. And Derrick Rose doesn't get hurt, they probably don't get out of the first round. Heck, if Joe Kim Noah doesn't get hurt, I don't think they get out of the first round. I think they lose if Joe Kim Noah is 100%. I think they lose that game, if Joe, lose that series, I should say, if Joe Kim Noah is 100%. I really do. And so I'm glad the Sixers organization realized, you know what, this is as far as we can go with Andre Iguodala as our best player. And it's not a knock on Andre Iguodala. It's not. He was an all-star last year. He was an all-star. He was an all-star last season. 
He was. And he played well for the Sixers. He played well. He played well for the Philadelphia 76ers a year ago. But the reality is that roster went as far as it could go. That They maxed out. They maxed out. This team maxed out. And that was the reality of the Philadelphia 76ers a year ago. Andrew Bynum was a nice pickup. And no matter what happens to me, if Andrew Bynum doesn't play one game this season, obviously I would be disappointed. I'd be obviously disappointed if Andrew Bynum doesn't play a game this year. Obvious disappointment. But the reality is the Sixers maxed out their talent a year ago. They maxed out. They maxed it out. They took it as far as they could go, as far as they could go. They they went as far as they could go. And, you know, luck was on their side. Derrick Rose injury, that was on their side. Joe Kim, no injury, that was on their side. But the reality is this team needed to upgrade. This team was not good enough. They were not good enough to go any farther than they did. They, they were as with the way they were constructed with Andre Iguodala as their best player, they were seventh or eighth seed at best. That's what they were. Nothing more, nothing less. And they were probably a first round exit each and every year. That's what they were. That's what they were. That's what they were. And Doug Collins, Rod Thorne, and the whole Sixer organization realized that. Maybe, you know, in terms of Andrew Bynum, maybe they knew what was going on. Maybe they knew that what was going on with Andrew Bynum. Maybe they just took the chance. I mean, he got the procedure done in Germany. You figure, you know, he said it was, that was nothing major. That was nothing major. A la Kobe Bryant, who got similar treatment in Germany. And I guess it worked for Kobe. So Andrew figured it would work for him as well. And, I, I mean, it's just a tough situation. Andrew Bynum, it's just a tough, tough situation. Tough situation. And we hear that Bynum... Could be back mid-January. You're hearing some reports that Bynum could be out the whole season. He may not play a game in Philadelphia. And, and there's a condition that he may have been diagnosed with that, you know, Bynum's injury, and he has an issue with cartilage, some cartilage damage in his knee that, if possible, reports are that Bynum could be out the whole season. He could be out for the year. Um, and, and if they're saying that there's a possibility that it could heal without surgery, but they're also saying if it's a, it's a good possibility that it won't heal without surgery. And if it does require surgery, he could be out there for the rest of the year. He could be out for the rest of the year. Wow. 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 And it would be tough. 
It would be tough. It would be very tough for the Philadelphia Sixers. And I highly respect the orthopedic surgeon who has nothing to do with Andrew Bynum treatment or has not seen any of his MRIs, x-rays, or so on and so forth, believes now that Andrew Bynum could have a condition where if things work out the best, he could be back maybe March or April. But if it does not heal, Andrew Bynum, his condition would require surgery, which could put Bynum out for the rest of the year. And this is according to a doctor who has nothing to do with the treatment at this point, nothing to do with the MRIs or anything. This is just spe- I mean, it's speculative on some, in some, on some level. It is speculative on some level, but but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, as a Sixers fan, I'm crossing my fingers, crossing my toes, and crossing anything else I can cross at this point and hoping that Andrew Bynum can come back at least in January. If it's not January, I'll live with February and March. Just come back where he can be a factor in a playoff battle, in a play, in the playoffs. And I think as a, if you're the Sixers, I think, you know, you hope that you can hold things and, and, and do well. And right now they're 6-4. and four. They play the Toronto Raptors tonight. But after they play the Raptors tonight, you know, the Sixers, they got a tough schedule. They got a tough, tough schedule after they get done playing the Raptors tonight. And this is the game they have to win. You got to win the games that you got that you know you can win and, and that are winnable. This is a winnable game against the Raptors tonight, and they're tied at 51 at halftime. But the Sixers, after they play the Raptors, gets interesting for them. And, and it should tell us a lot at this point whether or not they can be okay. After the Raptors, they go to Cleveland a game that's winnable, but then they have Oklahoma City at home, Phoenix, then Dallas as well. Again, not awful, but Oklahoma City is tough. Oklahoma City is very tough. Then in December, early December, December 7th and 8th, you got a home and home with Boston, and then you got the Lakers December 16th. So you got some, there's a lot of games here now where the schedule gets a little harder for the Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers' schedule becomes a little more difficult. And so, again, and it's still early in the season, but you hope the best hope for the Sixers is that they can at least keep it moving, play close to 500 basketball, and then with the hope Andrew Bynum comes back and, and Bynum elevates you, and hopefully you take off from there. That's the hope. That is the hope. And it's, it is just that hope. Just that hope. That is the hope for the Philadelphia 76ers at this time. That is the hope for this team. But the ultimate hope is that Andrew Bynum will stop working on his afro, stop combing that afro, and be able to get that afro a little messed up, a little sweaty as he out as he's out there on the court dunking and blocking shots and controlling the paint. That's where you want Andrew Bynum out on the sideline with his suit. And you want to be talking about him in his low post game, not his afro. And right now we're talking about his afro. We're talking about bowling, not the game. 
We're talking about bowling. We're talking about his afro. Not the game. Not the game. His afro. Bowling. I mean, those are things we're talking about when Andrew Bynum. We need to be talking about Andrew Bynum controlling the paint, grabbing boards, blocking shots, dominating, and leading the Sixers to great things in the Eastern Conference and in these playoffs, period. The reality is the Sixers had high hopes with Andrew Bynum. And the, re- and the thing is, at this point, hey, the Sixers say, you know what? He's coming back mid-January. So I'll live with that. I'll take that. I'll take that. Maybe they're just stringing the fans along in Philadelphia, stringing everybody along. Because you look at it, there was a buzz in Philadelphia when Andrew Bynum was traded to this team, to the Sixers, like no other. A buzz like no other. I mean, it, it was the type of buzz that Philadelphia had when Allen Iverson was in the building, when Allen Iverson was the answer, doing his big his stuff, winning MVPs and taking his team to the NBA Finals. That's the type of buzz you had in Philadelphia when Andrew Bynum was traded to the Philadelphia 76ers. It was like no other. I mean, it was an excitement around the team that we haven't seen in a long, long time. The excitement that we haven't seen in Philadelphia for years, for a long time, for a long, long time. So the Philadelphia 76ers, Andrew Bynum was supposed to be perfect together. And it doesn't mean it won't be perfect. And it doesn't mean things won't work out. But as the time goes by and the reports start to leak on out, and as you start to hear various things, you start to get a little nervous. You start to begin to get nervous, and I'm nervous. I I haven't been nervous throughout this whole process, but at this point, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. And I think a lot of people in Philadelphia right now are nervous. They're nervous. They're nervous about the possibility. Will Andrew Bynum ever play a game in Philadelphia? Will Andrew Bynum ever play a game in Philadelphia? And that is something that is, I mean, it's legitimate. It's a very legitimate question at this point because you just don't know What's going on? I mean, looking at Bynum and just hearing him talk, he does seem like a different dude. He, he, he does seem like he does things the Bynum way, his way. He really does. And, and I don't know the dude. Don't claim to know the guy. But I'm just it's just perception. I mean, even his hair. You know, sometimes a person's appearance can tell you a lot about him, can tell you what type of person they are. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. You know, but, I mean, Bynum, he just comes off as a different dude, comes off as his own guy. He does what he does. He is who he is. It is what it is. I am who I am. And that's what you get with Andrew Bynum. And, you know, who cares as far as I'm concerned from that standpoint? You are what you are as long as you perform on the basketball court. And Bynum, when last season, 
60 games, played a whole season, 60 games last year, put up 18 points and 12 with close to 12 rebounds a game. That's getting it done. That's big time. That's second-best center in the league status, and that is Andrew Bynum. That is Andrew Bynum. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Okay. Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back. And I want to switch gears now to the National Football League. And last night, we saw something that that was very, very interesting. We saw something that in a lot of ways was totally unexpected, totally unexpected. And that was the performance of Colin Kaepernick last night in San Francisco against the vaunted Chicago Bears defense. I mean, Colin Kaepernick was big time last night. And the thing about it is he was big time, but also the big thing about it is who did he do it against? He didn't do it against a cupcake defense. He didn't do it against that Saints defense. He didn't do it against an Eagles defense. He did it against the the, the big-time Chicago Bears defense. The big-time Chicago Bears defense. The defense that's been turning teams over left and right throughout the course of this season. Uh, a, a defense that's been shutting teams down left and right throughout the course of this season. I mean, Colin Kaepernick was big-time against the Chicago Bears last night. He was big time. He got it done. And he got it done in a blow and the forty nineers won a blowout faction. I mean Colin Kaepernick, sixteen for twenty three, two hundred and forty three big yards and two touchdowns. First start as an as a uh NFL quarterback. First career start. And he put up those type of numbers against the Chicago Bears. No, 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 not against the New Orleans Saints. Not against the Eagles defense. Not against the Buffalo Bills defense. We're talking about the Chicago Bears defense. We're talking about the Chicago Bears defense. So to me, what he did yesterday makes it even more impressive because who he did it against. Who he did it against. He did it against the Chicago Bears. And that was totally unexpected. I mean, his first career start, and he puts up those kind of numbers against the Chicago Bears. He plays big-time football like that against the Chicago Bears. This is a Bears defense, man, that's been shutting teams down and turning Teams over. This Bears defense have been, has been turning teams over. Left and right. Left and right. This defense has been shutting teams down and getting it done in all phases of the game. The run game, shutting teams down. The pass, shutting teams down. The turnovers. I mean, this Bears defense, eighth against the rush, 11th against the pass. 
So this defense as a whole was doing work and putting in work. And you figured yesterday's game, okay, no Jay Cutler, no Alex Smith, you figured you would see a defensive struggle. Almost an ugly football game. I, I, I was expecting to see the game that I saw when the Bears played the Texans a week ago. Just a tough, grinded-out type of game, 13-3, to 14-10, uh, 17-14 uh, type of football game. Not 32 to 7. Not 32 to 7. And the Bears defense, Colin Kaepernick had success yesterday. He had success against that defense. He was able to move the ball against that defense. They moved the ball against that defense. They were able to move the ball, and they were able to score 32 big points. 32 big points against that Bears defense. You didn't expect that. That was unexpected. That was unexpected. The question becomes now, what happens now, moving forward? Do you turn away from Alex Smith and go to Colin Kaepernick? Is it now Colin Kaepernick's turn? Is it now the Kaepernick show? Is it now the Kaepernick show? My mind and my opinion, if Alex Smith is is healthy, I think you go back to Alex Smith. This was one game, and granted, he did it against the Chicago Bears defense. He didn't do it against the Cupcake defense. He did it against the Chicago Bears defense. And Jim Harbaugh said, I'm sticking with the hot hand. I'm going to stick and stay with the hot hand. Is Colin Kaepernick the guy moving forward? And you wonder now with Alex Smith, does he get healthy real fast now? Those, the, those concussion systems, symptoms, do they go away magically? Do they magically disappear? Do those concussion systems go away for Alex Smith? You know, this, this is a game in the National Football League. The reality is they're always looking to replace you. They're always looking to replace you. Always. Always. They're always looking to replace you. You are so replaceable. You are so replaceable. It's like the Beyonce song. Irreplaceable. I can have another you in a minute. Matter of fact, he will be here in a minute. And the reality is, Colin Kaepernick may be replacing Alex Smith. And it doesn't matter how it happens. You know the old adage, you can't lose your job from injury. You can't lose your job, can't lose your job from, from injury. Well, I don't necessarily believe that. The reality is, if you can't do the job, and I mean, obviously, Alex Smith has been doing the job to this point, but if there's somebody who can do the job better, if there's somebody who can do the job better, then guess what's going to happen? Change will come. And the thing about it is this. The thing about it is this. You know, it's like this. You're with a girl right now. That's your girl. That's your love of your life. 
She's treating you good. And then something happens for whatever reason. She's, something happens. She, uh, she's not treating you as good as she used to, treating you a little different. And then somebody comes out, and, and you see somebody out there, and you try to replace her. And you ultimately do replace her. The NFL is just like a dog. The dog is going to go to who loves them better. Who's going to love them better? You may love them, but there's always somebody out there that's going to love you better. And that's the thing about it with these quarterbacks and these players. They're always looking to replace you. They're always looking to go cheaper and younger. That's the NFL. Let's go cheaper. Let's go younger. That's what they're always looking to do. That's the NFL. And that's what the NFL has always been about for years now. Always trying to go cheaper and younger. Cheaper and younger. That's what the NFL is trying. That's what the NFL and each and every 32 teams in the NFL, that's what they try to do. Try to go cheaper and younger. Now, at this point, Colin Kaepernick has one start. It was an impressive start. He played some good football yesterday. He really did. He really did. But as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, to me, I think you go back to Alex Smith. And I'm not saying that Alex Smith is truly the answer at this point. But what I'm saying is, and I'm not talking about injury, are you ready to put your team in the hands of a second-year quarterback? who's only had one start. Are, are you prepared to do that if you're the Chicago, uh, San Francisco 49ers? Excuse me. Are you prepared to put a team that is this is very close, obviously. This is a team that is very close to winning a Super Bowl. They were a couple Kyle Williams fumbles away from getting to the Super Bowl. So this team is close. This team is close. The 49ers are very, very close right now to winning a championship. Do you now say, you know what? Yes, we're close. But at the same time, I believe a Colin Kaepernick, a guy after one start, is the guy. I don't know if you can say that. And maybe if you're Jim Harbaugh, what you do at this point is maybe you don't rush Alex Smith back, and granted with some of these concu- with the new concussion rules and everything, it may be difficult to do that if he's not 100% in terms of rushing him back. But as far as I'm concerned, and just looking at the 49ers, Colin Kaepernick has only started one game in the National Football League. Yes, it was an impressive performance. Yes, he did it. In, it was a victory. Yes, he looked very, very good. But it's just one game. It's just one game. I, I wouldn't be so quick to say Colin Kaepernick is my guy. Now, who knows what could happen in terms of next year, or who knows what happens in terms of if Alex Smith falters if once he gets his job back. What if he falters and, and, does, and struggles a little bit? Do you go back to Kaepernick? And that's always a possibility. That truly is always a possibility. And Jim Harbaugh, he was quoted as saying, I usually tend to go with the guy that has the hot hand. And we have two quarterbacks that have a hot hand. He went on to say, so I thought Colin did an outstanding job. 
I thought he did a great job. Poising the pocket, pushing the ball, throwing with accuracy. Did a nice job running the game plan. Everything he did was exemplary and really acquitted himself great. Very proud of him for that. And those were the words of Jim Harbaugh in talking about the performance of Colin Kaepernick last night in San Francisco. It was a big-time performance. Don't get me wrong, but it's only one game. And as far as I'm concerned, moving forward, if Alex Smith is healthy, I think you got to go with the veteran Alex Smith because, again, this team is so close. And, yes, Colin Kaepernick was, was great last night, and he had no turnovers, and he did a great job. But at the same time, he's a young quarterback, and you know what happens with young quarterbacks. Young quarterbacks make mistakes. He makes mistakes. And one thing about Alex Smith, and Kaepernick hasn't made any mistakes yet, but one thing with Alex Smith, one thing you're going to get with him, he's not going to beat you. He's not going to hurt you. And that's what the 49ers did so well a year ago with Alex Smith. He didn't hurt his team. He did not hurt his team. And the 49ers as a team didn't hurt themselves. And Alex Smith as a quarterback did not hurt his team. He did a great job of not hurting his team a year ago. He did a great job of that. He doesn't hurt his team. And so that's what, when I look at the Niners, I say, you know what? With the way that defense is and the, the run game that they have, as far as I'm concerned, Alex Smith, he's not going to hurt you. He's not going to hurt you. He doesn't hurt you. Granted, at this stage of the season, at this point of the season, he has five interceptions. He only had five interceptions the whole last season. He only had five interceptions the whole season a year ago, 49ers. He has five interceptions already this season. It's not a lot. I mean, it's not an awful amount of interceptions. But Alex Smith as a whole does not hurt you. He does not hurt his team. And that's the big thing about Alex Smith. And that's that's why I say to myself, you know what, I think he's, Colin Kaepernick can probably do more to spectacular. And when it's all said and done, maybe Colin Kaepernick may be the better quarterback. But at this, at this point in time, he's young. Only started one game, his second season in the league. To me, looking at Colin Kaepernick and looking at the San Francisco 49ers, they're win-now mode. And I'm not saying Colin Kaepernick couldn't win now, but I know for sure Alex Smith is a guy. And I'm not saying Alex Smith is a Super Bowl-winning caliber quarterback. I'm not saying he is that guy. But a year ago, what I saw, he was close. And if Kyle Williams doesn't put the ball on the turf two times, the 49ers probably make the Super Bowl. Who knows what happens from there? But I look at this team, the San Francisco 49ers, and I say to myself, they're close. And when you're this close, I think you stick with a guy in Alex Smith, a guy who won't hurt you. Alex Smith just won't hurt you. And as far as I'm concerned, with the way that team is built, with the run game, the way that team is built on the defensive side of football, I don't know if you mess with that. I don't know if you mess with that. Just my opinion. I don't know if you mess with that. I mean, you know, they don't allow they're, – they're, in terms of the running game, they're first in the league in running and rushing. First in the league. So they run the ball 165 yards a game this team gets. So they run the ball well. They run the ball well. 27th in terms of passing yards. 
in the league. That's not good. But in terms of stopping opponents passing, they're second in the league. And in terms of stopping opponents' rush, they're sixth in the league. So this is a team in the San Francisco 49ers that defensively shut you down and offensively run the ball well. They don't hurt themselves. And I think you want to stick with that. I think that's the way to go if you're the 49ers. I think that's the way to go. Stick with Alex Smith. Kaepernick was impressive. He played well. But stick with Alex Smith. And just going around the National Football League and what we saw last Sunday, if you're in Philadelphia, you're sad. The Eagles were pathetic again. Absolutely awful. God awful. 31-6 drubbing to the Washington Redskins. Looks like things is over for Andy Reid. Looks like things are over for a lot of people in Philadelphia. Michael Vick. I mean, a lot of players. That's going to be a totally different team last next year unless they find a miracle and turn it around. And that's not an out of the realm of possibility, but you just don't see it from this team. You don't see any possibility of them turning around. How about the Denver Broncos? Denver Broncos now playing some big-time footballs. Go to 7-3, seven and, seven and beating the San Diego Chargers 30-23 to in Denver. Peyton Manning continuing to play well. The Broncos as a whole continuing to play well five in a row. Five in a row. A lot of people are high on this Denver Bronco team. A lot of people are excited about this Denver Bronco team. I talked about this on Saturday with Willie Rofe. He's high on this Bronco team. Yes, five in a row is five in a row. Yes, seven and three is seven and three. Yes, they're on top of their division. That's big. This team is on top of their division. So all these things are fine. Yes. Yes, they have the third best record in the AFC. Yes, Peyton Manning is playing well. But, but, who have they beaten? Who have they beaten? Who have, let me tell you who they've beaten. Pittsburgh Steelers week one. At the time, Steelers weren't playing good football. Steelers got off to a bad start. But, hey, that's a legitimate victory. Oakland Raiders, they beat. Wow, what a good team they are. San Diego Chargers, they beat. Chargers? Okay. The New Orleans Saints, they beat a team at the time, was god-awful. And now they moved to 5-5, five and five, those Saints, surprisingly enough. The Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati Bengals playing a little better football. They are 5-5 five and five now. But, again, not a world beater. The Carolina Panthers, they stink. And the Chargers, Phil Rivers, same tune, interceptions, not playing good football. The Chargers as a whole, North Turner, I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does it. And sticks around. He sticks around. He finds a way to stick around. He finds a way to stick around. But anyway, the Denver Broncos as a whole, when they stepped up in competition, three games against the Atlanta Falcons, Peyton Manning got off to an awful start, had the interceptions, 
They were down early. Ultimately, they would come back at the end, but it wasn't enough. That was a step-up game. That was a step-up game. They were down 20 to nothing to the Atlanta Falcons. They made a run at the end, but it wasn't enough. That was step-up number one. That was step-up number one, and they lost. Step-up number two, Houston Texans. In Denver. This was a game in Denver. Houston Texans go in there. Houston Texans get out early on the Broncos. At one point up twenty one to eight, twenty one to five, excuse me, at one point in that game. Also up thirty one eleven in the third quarter. Broncos make a run at the end. But again, when they stepped up, the Denver Broncos, they lost. That was step up number two. Step up number three for the Denver Broncos against the New England Patriots. In New England, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning renewed their little rivalry, going at it head-to-head, two of the better better quarterbacks in this league for a long time. Those two teams go at it head-to-head. They battle each other head-to-head, those two teams. And look what happens. Denver Broncos step up again. Denver Broncos lose again. So every time, other than the Steelers, every time the Denver Broncos have stepped up, every time the Broncos have stepped up, and I named three times, other than the Steelers, I gave you three times when this team has stepped up, the Falcons, the Texans, and the Patriots. Each and every time they stepped up in competition, they lost. Well, guess what? If you want to get to the Super Bowl, you don't have, you can't go. You're not going to go through the Raiders. You're not going to go through the Chargers, the team they beat. You're not going through the Bengals. If you want to go through the Super Bowl in the AFC, you got to go through Houston and New England. The Broncos have lost to those two teams. They have lost to both Houston. And New England. Both of those teams they've lost to. They lost to both of those teams. And they were down at one point against the Patriots, 31-7. And against the Texans at one point in that game, they were down 31-11. to So each, and even against the uh, Falcons at one point in that game, they were down 20 to nothing. Each and every time the Denver Broncos have stepped up each and every time they have lost. So we we can talk all this Bronco talk, and you know, and granted, granted, I picked the Denver Broncos to get to the Super Bowl. My logic was was very simple. Tim Tebow got him to the divisional playoff round a year ago. Do you mean to tell me that a Hall of Famer? One of the best quarterbacks that ever played the game, best quarterbacks ever lived. Peyton Manning could not do better than Tim Tebow. I mean, Tim Tebow took the Denver Broncos to the divisional round. Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow. My logic was simple. With the addition of Peyton Manning, you mean to tell me with the addition of Peyton Manning that the Broncos can't get further and would not get further? My logic was, you know what, Peyton has a lot to prove. A lot of people thought Peyton was done. 
A lot of people did not think Peyton Manning could return to his old form, and he slowly but surely is rounding into that guy. He is that guy, but who has he done it against? Who has he done it against is my question. And again, let me repeat myself. Each and every time he has stepped up, Houston lost, Falcons lost, New England a loss. Each and every time he has stepped up, the Broncos have lost. Every time his team has stepped up, they have lost. Every time. And Peyton Manning, he's getting it done. 106 quarterback rating, 24 big touchdowns, only seven interceptions, close to 3,000 yards passing. Peyton Manning is getting it done. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I'm not denying that. I I can't deny that. The stats speak for themselves. But let's not be so quick to crown him. Let's not be so quick to crown him. Let's not be so quick to crown this team. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Because as far as I'm concerned... We all know what happens when it was step-up time. And now, their next opportunity to step up, the next opportunity for this team to step up comes against the Baltimore Ravens. And that's not happening. I mean, look. let's look at their schedule. Let's look at their schedule. Schedule started off rough, but let's look at it at the end. At Kansas City, you got Kansas City twice in the final six games. Then you have Tampa Bay. I mean, Tampa Bay should be, you know, you're playing a team that could make the playoffs, playing a team, and Tampa Bay is playing decent football right now. That, you know, let's see what happens against Tampa Bay. But, again, you got Kansas City twice. You play Kansas City twice in the final six games. You also have Cleveland, Oakland. Again, their biggest step-up game to me, the step-up game to me, comes week 15, 1 o'clock, in Baltimore against the Ravens. That, to me, is the step-up game. That, to me, is the step-up game. That's the step-up game that I'm talking about. What are you going to do going to Baltimore against the Ravens team that is a very good football team, an 8-2 and two team, and a team that's one of the better teams in the AFC? Show me something, Denver, because each and every time, other than Pittsburgh, which was the first game of the season, each and every time you stepped up, you didn't do so well. And, and you were down by 20 points in each of those step-up games at one point in those games. You were down by 20 points in each of those step-up games. And let's go even deeper. Let's look at Peyton Manning in those step-up games. First one against Atlanta. 24 for 37, 241 yards, and three big picks against the Falcons. That was the second game of the season. That was step-up game number one 
against the Atlanta Falcons, and Peyton Manning was not so hot. He was not so hot in that particular ball game. Let's look at step-up game number two against the Houston Texans. Peyton Manning, 330 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, but that was a game he threw the ball 52 times. You throw the ball 52 times, you should put up big-time yardage. And a lot of those yardage was because he had to come on back because they were down at one point, again, 31-11 near the end of the third quarter. So that was a game, and that was step-up game number two. And let's look at step-up game number three. And step-up game number three happened to be against the New England Patriots, Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, a team defensively that has had its struggles. And Peyton Manning, decent numbers, 31 for 44. 337 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, other and I'll say this about me, other than the first game, first step-up game, well, the second step-up game because he stepped up and they beat the Steelers, the second step-up game that they had, other than that game against the Falcons where he got off to that awful start with the picks and everything, Peyton Manning has been fairly decent against the big sisters of the league. He's been decent against the big sisters of the league. He really has. But this, I, I, I'm not prepared. I know a lot of people, a lot of Denver love right now, but I'm just not prepared to do all that at this point. I'm, I'm not prepared to do all that with the Denver Bronco team. Yes, I picked them to go to the Super Bowl when the season began. I also picked the Eagles, so you can laugh now about that. But, um, yes, I did pick, up, pick the Denver Broncos to get to the Super Bowl at the beginning of the season. I I was one who believed in this ball club. But at this point in the season, and I'm just talking about this stage of the season, and it could all change. It could all change. But I'm just talking right now at this stage of the season, this stage of the season, the Denver Broncos have beaten only one team over 500. One team over 500. They beat some teams who were at 500. But they have only beaten one team above 500. They've only beaten one team above 500. And that was the Pittsburgh Steelers' first game in the season. First game in the season. And so that's the only playoff team, theoretically, they have beaten. Because if the season were to end today, the Steelers would be in the playoffs. So theoretically, they have, they've only beaten one playoff team. One playoff team. One, that's it. They won seven games. The other six have been against teams who have 500 or below. No one above 500. 500 and below, the Denver Broncos have had success. Again, they do play Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a couple weeks in Denver. That's a game they should win, but the Buccaneers are 6-4. and four. Buccaneers are playing decent football right now, playing decent football. And they're currently on a four-game winning streak, Tampa Bay. So they're hot right now. They're a hot team. That should tell us a little bit about the Broncos when they play the Buccaneers in a couple weeks. But, again, the big game that that I got my eye set on, the big game to me that's going to tell me a lot about the Denver Broncos, a game that's going to answer all my questions about the Denver Broncos comes Week 15 against the Baltimore Ravens. What are you going to do now when you have another step-up opportunity? Are you going to step up 
like you did against the Steelers? Or are you going to step down pretty much like you did against the Falcons, the Texans, and the Patriots? What are you going to do, Denver? It's a lot easier to put these numbers up and win these football games, compile all these stats against the little sisters of the poor. But what happens when their big sister comes at you? The way New England came at you. The way Atlanta came at you. The way the Texans came at you. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond? Those are teams you're going to have to beat if you want to be in the Super Bowl. Those are the teams you want. You have to beat if you want to be in New Orleans. Those teams. Those teams. Those are the teams you're going to have to beat if you want to be in New Orleans. Can you do it? Are you good enough? These next few weeks will tell us a lot about the Denver Broncos. They'll tell us a lot. They will tell us a whole lot about that team. And I'm so interested to see. I'm interested to see how they respond against Tampa Bay. I mean, like I said, Tampa 6-4, four-game winning streak. And maybe they'll be on a five-game winning streak when they come to Denver in two weeks. I'm interested in that game because that, again, will tell me something about the Broncos and how good they are. How good they are. But ultimately, to me, Again, I hate to I hate to repeat myself, but ultimately the big game for them, to me, if it's going to show me something about this team, is what happens against the Baltimore Ravens. And theoretically, and it's in Baltimore, one o'clock game, week fifteen. But theoretically, if you look at the Denver Broncos now as a team, they're right now seven and three. Best team in the um, in the AFC is the Texans at nine and one. The Broncos theoretically, their final six games, I would say five out of six are are very winnable. So at the least, this team is probably going to get twelve wins. Probably going to get twelve wins. And actually, if you look at that game against Baltimore, Baltimore right now is eight and two, Denver seven and three. That game is just. Looking at it, that game may be for the second seed in the AFC, and maybe will have a lot of a lot of important ramifications in terms of who's going to get that buy, who's going to get the buy. So that Bronco game, Bronco Ravens game, Week 15 is going to be a biggie. It's going to be a biggie. If you look at Houston the rest of the way, the Lions they got the Lions on Thanksgiving. That's going to be that could be a tough one in Detroit, but they do have New England also on Monday Night Football at New England. That's going to be a toughie. And then they have the Colts twice in the Minnesota sandwiched in between the Colts. So, you know, Houston probably at the most may lose two more times. So theoretically, when it's all said and done, they're probably going to be 13-3 and three as well. And I'm saying the Broncos are going to at least be 12 and four, maybe 13 and three. So I'm saying, and I'm looking at it. It's probably you're looking at the Texans probably getting that number one seed, and we'll see what happens with the Patriots. But you're looking at the Texans 
probably getting that number one seed. And then from there, it's going to be a battle between the uh, the Patriots, the Ravens, and the Denver Broncos. And I think that game, the Broncos-Ravens in Week 15, is going to be a biggie in terms of seeding in the AFC. Denver, we'll see what happens. We'll see when you step up again. Can you step up and get it done? Because three out of four times you stepped up, you didn't do so hot. The second hour of Go For It starts right now. going to be joined by one of the newest members of BET's hit series, The Game, one of the newest members, the newest member, Jay Ellis, and we're going to talk to Jay about the game, and I'm a big time fan of the game, I watch it each and every Tuesday, must see TV for me, I like the game, I'm a big fan of the show. Great storylines, great characters. This is interesting TV, great TV. And so we're going to talk to Jay. Jay's one of the newest members. He's a rookie. He's a rookie to the show, and he's going to play a rookie on the show. So he's going to be a rookie in all different ways, all different shapes and sizes. He is going to be a rookie. He's going to be a rookie. And we're going to talk to Jay, see if he got hazed a little bit. See if there was some hazing going on by the cast of the game. And also, Lauren London is also a newest member of that show as well, the lovely, the beautiful Lauren London. And uh, so Jay actually, according to the word on the street, is Jay and Lauren London are going to be, you know, Jay's going to play Lauren London's love interest in that show. So, you know, things are good for Jay. Things are or on the up and up for Jay. His 49ers are doing well. His Lakers hired a new coach with the hope that they'll do well. And, you know, he's a part of a big-time show on cable. I mean, the game is getting big-time ratings on BET right now, big-time ratings. And Jay Ellis is going to be a part of that. Now, I'm, I'm interested to ask Jay this in terms of the pressure. You know, you're, you're, you're new to the show. It's probably your biggest role to date. You're new to the show, and, you know, this is a big-time show on cable, and so you're new. You're new to it. You're new to it. I, I want to know if there's any type of pressure that he may he may have because of those, because of the newness, to the, his newness to the show, and, and because of the, the show, you know, and the type of ratings that it, it's getting right now. The show is kind of going in a different direction. You have the situation with uh, Melanie Tia Mowry Hardrick, who is, Moved on for the show. Puchal, I don't know how much of a role he's going to have this year. It may not be the type of roles that he had. I mean, he had a very prominent role, him and uh, Tia Mallory. They've had a very prominent role since the inception of the show many years ago. So it should be interesting 
in terms of that, what type of role Pooch Hall has and how much different the show is going to be. But we're going to have Jay Ellis at 930. He's going to check in with us, and we're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about his Lakers. We're going to talk about his San Francisco 49ers. And I'm interested to get Jay's take on whether or not the 49ers should stick with Kaepernick as their quarterback, whether or not they should go in a different direction and have Colin Kaepernick as their starter. I'm interested to get Jay's take on it. You know how I feel about it. Stick with Alex Smith. Stick with the veteran. Stick with the guy who doesn't make a lot of mistakes because you know what you get with young quarterbacks. You're going to get mistakes. That's just the nature of the beast. You're getting mistakes in a young quarterback. You are. You are. You're getting mistakes with young quarterbacks. It's just the nature of the situation. That's life. And they, you know, so 49ers, if it was up to me, Jim Harbaugh, if you're listening, stick with Alex Smith. Stick with Alex Smith. You'll be very thankful for doing so. And you got the situation in college football now, and teams are moving from conference to conference. And, and it's getting to a point now, I mean, Maryland moving along, and big uh, Rutgers as well, possibly moving to the Big Ten and everything, headed to the Big Ten, actually. And you, you get the point, of, you get to it at this point where you don't even know. You got Maryland joining the Big Ten, Rutgers joining the Big Ten. You just don't even know. Where half of these teams are, where conference are in nowadays. I mean, just every you know, so much movement right now. Teams and, and universities are going from this conference to that conference, and it's just, you know, I mean, at this point, you just, it's getting a little maddening, really. You can't keep up with it. You can't keep up keep up with it all after a while. I mean, you got Nebraska now in the Big Ten. I mean, you just got so many different moves, so many different moves. And, and I mean, it's just, I think it's a good move for Rutgers to lead the Big East, especially for football, because in the Big East, in terms of football, basketball, you know, Big East is, is is gold. But in terms of football, it's a little bit of a struggle for the Big East right now. It really is. So I don't think it's a bad move for Rutgers to to go to the Big Ten. It's just getting to the point where you just don't remember and you forget where all these teams are. And you just forget what conferences they're in nowadays. It's hard to keep up with it. It's just too hard to keep up with nowadays. And you just, it is what it is. I mean, it really is. It truly is what it is. Maryland leaving the ACC after many years. Rutgers leaving the Big East. I'm not saying it's a bad move. It's a bad move. I'm not saying it's a bad move for these these teams. I mean, especially in terms of football. I mean, the ACC, you know, never has been known as a football conference. The Big East, for that matter, as well. Never really been known as a football conference. ACC, dominant in basketball, dominant. And, you know, same with the Big East, dominant in basketball. But in terms of football, ACC and Big East, you know, never really been prominent. I mean, the Big East at one point they had Miami. That probably was their biggest, the biggest, the best team that they've had in the Big East, and then the ACC, probably Florida State in terms of football. But as a whole, the ACC and Big East are not known as football powers, football hotbeds, those two conferences. 
So from a football standpoint, it's not a bad move. Not a bad move at all for both of those teams. Not or universities, I should say. But you get to a point now where you just you don't remember where these teams are. You don't remember what conferences they're in. You just you, you start to forget. You, you watch sometimes you watch college football like, oh man, I forgot. I forgot Nebraska's in the Big Ten. You know what I mean? So it, it gets like that sometimes, and you know, uh, it is what it is. It is what it is, and you know, I, I mean, I'm a fan of it. I don't think it really matters per se. Obviously, you like to keep things kind of the same as possible, but expansion is expansion. It's just a wave of college football in terms of teams moving from conference to conference. And tonight in the NBA, switching gears and going to the NBA, Mike D'Antoni makes his debut. Mike D'Antoni makes his debut tonight for the Los Angeles Lakers. He makes his long-awaited debut against the Brooklyn Nets. He told reporters, I'm too psyched up and too ready to go. And, you know, he's he's had a knee replacement. And so he's kind of moving around a little gingerly, a little slow. But he's back in the game. He's back in the game. And you wonder how much different Mike D'Antoni and the Lakers will be. You wonder how much different his style will be. A lot of wondering. A lot of wondering with Mike D'Antoni. He's back. And you wonder how he will be. You wonder. And I talked about this, but I'm getting a sense, to be honest with you, about this Laker team, that it may take time for this thing to mesh. And you look at Miami, for example. You look at Miami a year ago. And my not a year ago, two years ago, Miami was a team that first year, where you know at times there was a struggle, but in terms of playing with each other and, and learning each other's game and getting that right chemistry. And you may be seeing that with the Lakers right now, with Dwight Howard and Steve Nash, and right now Steve Nash is hurt, but just trying to put all these pieces together. There might be a little struggle in terms of trying to get all these pieces together. And I and I look at it, and I say it about that whole situation is the difference is between Miami and the Lakers. Miami, they had they have time to do, they had time I should say, to kind of work through some things. They had time to work through some things. They had the time. The Lakers, on the other hand, I'm not so sure. You know, first of all, yes, you know, it, it may take time for them to, to mesh and come together. But first of all, the difference between Miami and L.A. is that the Lake, uh, Miami was a much younger team. Guys were already locked in. The key guys were all locked in to contracts. Not so with the Lakers. I mean, Dwight Howard, at the end of the season, he could move on. He could theoretically move on. He could be elsewhere. I mean, you look at Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant's 34 years old. He's not getting younger. Steve Nash. Steve Nash is 38 years old. He ain't getting younger. Metal World Peace, 33. Powell Gasol, 32. The team is getting up there. This is not a young basketball team with the Lakers. So you really don't have 
time to mess around. You don't have time to wait. You don't have time to wait. You don't. You got to move now if you're the Lakers. But can they move now? Are they even talented? Are they good enough? Obviously, with Kobe Bryant, with Dwight Howard, on paper, obviously you're saying, yes, they have to be good enough. But it's not necessarily. It may not come together. Remember when they made that run back in 2004 when they brought in Carl Malone, Gary Payton, brought in those guys with the hope that they could push over the top. And ultimately, they got back to the NBA Finals with those guys. They got back to the NBA Finals a year before that. They, the Spurs got to the Finals and won the NBA Finals, but they got back to the NBA Finals with that team. But by the time they were in the Finals, Carl Malone was broke down. You remember in that game five where he didn't even play, he was broke down. Gary Payton obviously wasn't the same player. And so the Lakers ultimately struggled. And you can look at this team, and I'm not saying this is going to happen here, but Steve Nash is already out right now. He's already out. And so and he was a big piece, obviously. But he's out. He is out. And you're wondering, are the Lakers? And I'm going to keep asking this question throughout the course of this season. I'm going to sound like a broken record in saying this. Are the Lakers good enough? Are the Lakers good enough? Yes, Steve Nash is still top five, top ten caliber point guard. He's still that guy. He's still that guy. Yes, Pau Gasol, top five, top ten type of power forward. He's still that guy. Yes, Dwight Howard, best center in the game, top ten player. Kobe Bryant, top five, top ten player. You have all those top five, top tens and talking about the Lakers. You have all those. You have all that. But the bottom line, is it good enough? Do the pieces of the puzzle fit? Do they fit? And that is the question you have to answer when it comes to the L.A. Lakers. I said it earlier, they're not the best team in L.A. They are not the best team in L.A. That, my friend, is the Los Angeles Clippers. So they're not. They're not the best team in L.A. They're not the best team in L.A. I wonder now with the Lakers, are they good enough to get to the NBA Finals and win a championship? Talent-wise, you, you have to say, like I said before, I gave you a lot of five, top five and top ten players, and they have it on this roster. Kobe, Dwight, Howard, Gasol, Steve Nash. Top five, top ten players at their positions. I gave you all that. But that doesn't mean championship. That doesn't equate to championships. And to me, is Mike D'Antoni the guy to get him over the top, to get him over the hump? I will say this. Mike Brown, his calling card is defense. 
and the Lakers were giving up a lot of points. They weren't playing Laker-type defense. Mike Brown's calling card is defense. And his team is middle of the road in terms of points allowed. Mike Brown's calling card was defense, and they weren't, and teams were scoring points against them. That was Mike Brown's calling card. We all know, we all know what Mike D'Antoni's calling card is. Mike D'Antoni's calling card is offense. Is offense. Is offense. That's. Mike D'Antoni's calling card. Scoring points. Getting up and down. Getting up and down. That's Mike D'Antoni. That's what he does. That's what he's done. Scoring a lot of points. Getting putting his team in position to score a lot of points. But they don't play defense, folks. They don't play defense. The defense wins championships. Defense wins championships. Defense, not offense. Charles Barkley said you can't win with Mike D'Antoni style. That's what Charles Barkley said. That's what Charles Barkley said. You can't win with Mike D'Antoni style of play. And quite frankly, I think I agree with him. I think I agree with him. You can't win with Mike D'Antoni's style. You can't. You can't. You can't win with Mike D'Antoni's style. That style is not conducive to championships. Phil Jackson is. But they made their decision. They decided that's the direction they wanted to go in. And it is what it is. You live and you learn. You live and you learn, you move on with your life. And you make the best of it. But that's what the Lakers believe is the best way to go. With Phil Jackson, not Phil Jackson, with Mike D'Antoni as their coach. With Mike D'Antoni as their coach. That is the best way to go according to the Lakers. That's according to the Lakers. Not to Paul Gant. Not to Paul Gant. That's according to the Lakers. But ultimately, ultimately, the Bus family, Mitch Kupchak, they make the decisions in La La Land. Magic Johnson may not agree with it, but they make the decisions. They may not. Magic Johnson may not agree with the decision to go with Mike D'Antoni. Doesn't matter what Magic thinks. That's not Magic's decision. But it is the Bucks family's decision. That's the decision they made. That is the decision that they made. Shocking decision. A shocking decision in my mind. A decision to me that came out of nowhere to me. I, I just, I, I just figured, you know what? Phil Jackson has won championships. He's motivated. He wants to come back. His health is supposedly good. Everything is good. 
Now, I don't know in terms of these demands, Phil denies it, whether he demanded stake in the franchise, according to some reports, whether, he demand, whether or not he demanded more personnel, say. I don't know, according to some reports he did. Whether he demanded some travel restrictions, I don't know, according to reports he did. I don't know if that was the case. I don't know what the, if that was the case, but I, I, I made this analogy Saturday. I'll make it again. You know what? The Lakers basically had an opportunity at a, at a dime, a 10 girl, a girl who was a 10, and, and a girl who was about a 7 or 8. They chose the girl who was a 7 or 8. And a lot of times when you make the decision of going after a 10 or a 7, more often than not, if a 10 wants you, you're going to go with the 10. That's what you're going to do. If a perfect 10 says, I want you, you're going with that perfect 10. More often than not. But sometimes the 7 is more compatible for you. I guess the bottom line is the Lakers thought, you know what, the 7 and Mike D'Antoni is more compatible than the 10 and Phil Jackson. That's the decision they made. That Based on the personnel they have, they're, the 7 is better than the 10 for this team. That's the decision that they made. Agree or disagree, that's the decision that they made. I tend to disagree. I tend to disagree. You got an opportunity at the 10, shoot for the stars and go after the 10. Even though the 7 sometimes may be more compatible, go after the 10. Go after the 10. Even if the 7 is is a good fit, you got to go after the 10. Shoot high, aim high. Go for the best. As far as I'm concerned, the best to me was Phil Jackson. Lakers see differently. We'll see how that affects them moving forward. We'll see whether or not the Lakers are a team that can get back to the NBA Finals the way it's presently constructed, a team that seems kind of slow, a team that I'm not too sure, even with all the pieces, even with the Kobe's and the Natchez and the Howards and the Gasols, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure that the Lakers are good enough. But we shall see. I want to go back to the NFL now. We had the situation with Ed Reed. Um, at one point, he was suspended. Helmet to helmet hit. It was his third violation in three seasons of, of the rule. And ultimately, that cost Ed Reed a suspension. But he did appeal it, the decision. And ultimately, the decision was overturned. The penalty was reduced. But he still was fined fifty grand. He will be instead fined fifty grand. So Ed Reed basically will be playing for free next week. He will be playing for free. So a fifty thousand dollar fine. That's a that's a that's a game check. Ed Reed's playing for free this week. That's tough. And, and you know the rules are the rules, and obviously. Players are going to have to adjust. It's just the nature of today's NFL. And and I said a game check, but his game check is 423000 So he lost a portion of it. He lost a portion of the game check. But, you know, and obviously he will still be able to make the bulk of that 423000 
But the rules are the rules. The rules are the rules. The league is trying to make the game safer. They're trying to make this game safer. And I don't, you know, it's difficult. And obviously I've never played football. I'm not a safety, a D-back, so on and so forth. But I will say this. I will say this. You're asking guys to make a split-second decision. And, and, you know, it's full speed ahead. I mean, those guys are coming at you full speed. Wide receivers are going full speed. You're, you're making it, you got to make a determination. And also, you got to look at it this way. More so than anything is that throughout the course of life, a lot of these players have been taught to hit the way they are hitting. They've been taught to hit that way. That's all they know. It's instinctive. And now, I mean, uh, see what you hit. They're, they're telling everybody, oh, see what you hit. It's not a, I mean, it's a safe way to go. Definitely see what you hit. The reality is you avoid injury for yourself and avoid injuries for other players. So, I mean, the NFL is trying to clean the game up. And, you know, sometimes it seems like it's ticky-tack, and sometimes it seems like, you know what, that's not a personal foul. That that's a, They shouldn't call that. They shouldn't call this. They shouldn't call that. I mean, sometimes it feels that way. Sometimes you, you question some of the calls, but the thing about it is players are going to have to adjust. You can complain about it or you adjust. And that's what players are going to have to do. They're going to have to adjust. This is a different game. They're trying to protect the player. Well, you can argue Thursday night football games is not protecting the player. You can make that argument short week for players. I mean, talking about an 18-game schedule at one point, you could argue that's not protecting the players. Not having guaranteed contracts in the NFL. To me, that's not protecting the players because players are going out because you're basically playing year to year. Your contract is essentially year to year. It's not guaranteed. All you that's guaranteed is that signing bonus. So you're having players go out there half injured, half hurt, and, you know, pushing through, pushing through. Pushing through because the NFL, we all know what the NFL is all about. It's all about getting cheaper. It's all about getting younger. That's what the NFL is about. That's what the NFL is looking to do. Get cheaper, get younger. That's what teams are looking to do throughout the league. League, Get cheaper, get younger. That's it. So in that process of doing that, the process of doing that, players are forced to push themselves through, even though they're hurt. Even though their bell may be rung, aka a concussion, even though all these things may be going on, they're pushing through. They are pushing through. I'm, I'm glad he didn't get suspended. Obviously, I don't think there was malice in the hit. I really don't. But the thing about it is, the NFL is the NFL. The NFL is the NFL. And I don't think those actions, Ed Reed's actions, Ed Reed's hit, warranted a suspension. A fine, I'll live with that. A suspension, I thought that was excessive. And I was shocked when I heard about it initially. But I'm glad it was overturned. I really am. Because initially I thought, you know what, does he really deserve to be suspended for that? Is that really a suspendable hit? 
I didn't think so. Was was it was there malice in that hit? Was it really an egregious hit? I didn't think so. I mean, I really didn't. Uh, but at the same time, the rules are the rules, and ultimately, the league is going to try to protect the players, trying to protect defensive defenseless receivers. That's what the league is trying to do. That's what the league will continue to do. Get used to it. Get used to it. Because that's what's going to happen. That's what has been happening, and that's what's going to continue to happen in the National Football League. You wonder at some point, are they just going to put on flags? Are they going to just put on flags? But ultimately, I mean, the way the game is, the bigger, stronger, faster, players are getting stronger, players are getting faster, and you're going to have injury. You're going to have injury. It's a collision sport. It's a physical sport. The goal is to get your player, your opponent, more often than not, on the ground. It's to get your opponent on the ground before he gets in the end zone. That's your goal. So in that process, in the process of doing that, people are going to get hurt. It's a physical game. It's a physical game, and people are going to get hurt, sometimes permanently. It's just the nature of the beast. And you wonder at some point if somebody really is going to die on a football field. I wouldn't be surprised. As fast as these guys are getting now, as big as these guys are, I would not be surprised. So many collisions, big-time collisions, big-time collisions in these games. And you wonder sometimes how these players get up from it. You wonder how they get up from it. Like, wow, he just got up. He just got up. You wonder how they do it. You wonder. I don't know. I don't know how they do it. I really don't some of the times. But it's just the nature of the game. It's a physical game. It's a physical game. And things happen. Stuff happens. People get hurt. People get hurt. Collisions happen. It's a physical game. You wonder at some point, will someone actually die on a football field? You really do. Because it's physical out there. It's tough out there. It's rough out there. Very tough, rough out there on that field. Very tough out there on that field. So you got to be careful. And the league is doing everything it can to try to protect the players. At least that's what they're telling you. Replacement officials earlier in the season, that's probably not doing enough to protect the players. Putting players in a position where they could get hurt. Not having the best people out there officiating the games. So, I mean, it's the NFL and that's the NFL and that's, we'll see. We'll see, but I believe at some point I wouldn't be surprised. I hope not, but I wouldn't be surprised if someone dies on the field. The way as fast as these players are getting, as strong as these players are getting, I wouldn't be surprised. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio.
Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back. We are back. And we're going to be joined now by a guy who's a rookie himself and is going to play a rookie this season on BET's hit series, The Game, and The Game is a big-time show, getting big-time ratings on BET. This guy's going to add to it. Let's bring him in now. One of the stars of BET's hit series, The Game, actor Jay Ellis. Jay, what's up, man? What's going on, man? Thank you. I appreciate that. How are you? I'm good. Yourself? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me, man. I, uh, I'm glad to be here. And as I said, you are one of the newest members of the game. You're going to be a part of one of the higher-rated shows on cable. How excited are you about this? Uh, man, you know, I tell people I'm at the game Christmas. I find myself not being able to go to sleep sometimes at night. It's like that gift that you know you want, you know what I mean? And you, you think it's under the tree, and you just can't sleep until you get it open. And uh, And I got that gift. But every day I get that gift, you know, and so it's it's an amazing thing. I get to go to work with people that I love and, uh, you know, characters that I think are, you know, I've watched grow over the last five years and, you know, it's just a, and a network that, I, you know, I've watched for, you know, 20-something years. You know, it's just it's an awesome thing. It's a great feeling, man. So have you been hazed? You you are the rookie. Are they hazing you? <laughs> no, I haven't been hazed too bad, you know, um, my uh, my first the first uh, castmate that I met was Barry Floyd who plays T.T. and okay. uh, and, and Barry did let me know that there would be a little bit of hating going on once he got to Atlanta and once we uh, once we got on set but uh, there hasn't been too much Kobe uh, Kobe plays a joke or two every now and again but uh, you know it's, it's all in good fun you know I think if anything the producers might be be having more fun than anybody else you know okay. And on the show, you're going to play rookie running back Bryce Blue Westbrook. Tell yeah, us a little yeah. bit about Blue. Man, Blue is a uh, <laughs> Blue is a kid who uh, graduates from Stanford. He's you know top of his class. He's also the number one draft pick. Uh, you know he goes in, he goes in, and um, you know he 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 kind of has uh, you know a bit of cockiness to him. You know he's a young dude who. Uh, He's been kind of by the books, and he's played football, and, you know, his father was a military guy, so he definitely kept him in line. And, you know, he gets out there to San Diego, and, you know, this is this is a big time for him. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a whole different experience, and people are looking at him, and the pressure is different. And, you know, he uh, doesn't necessarily fit in, you know, right out the gate, you know, because there is a bit of, you know, I'm, I went to Stanford. I'm smarter than the average right. player, you know. So and that rubs his teammates the wrong way, you know, and uh, and and you know it kind of carries over into personal relationships with uh, with with his love interest, and uh, you know he, he kind of gets set straight and you know learns learns to uh, to grow, you know, and, and to and to step outside himself a little bit. So yeah. And you talked about the love interest. Reportedly, it's going to be Lauren London. First of all, when when I hear that. I get a little jealous, you know. I mean, <laughs> you're on set with the lovely, the beautiful Lauren London. You get to play opposite Lauren London. You get to be the love interest for Lauren London. Man, I'm jealous. You're living a life. 
I can't complain, man. You know, I I I uh, I, I am very very lucky to be able <laughs> to go to work with Lauren London every day, man. She's a beautiful girl, and uh, you know, and, and she's awesome to work with. You know, just on top of being a beautiful girl, you know, who's you know with little dimples, and she's just cute. You know what I mean? Like on top of all that. She's just an awesome girl. She's down to earth. You can talk to her about anything. You know, she's great for you. She's got a joke, and you know, she she's got a great sense of humor. And you know, she's awesome to work with, man. So I'm, I'm. It's not going to be hard for me, for my character, to uh, fall in love. With, uh, with, with I, I think you had it right the first time. <laughs> when you said me. <laughs> so next time you're on set, tell Lauren I said hi. Um, Absolutely. And, and I look at I look at it. There's a lot of parallels between Blue and yourself. Both of you guys are rookies going into an established entity. Do you feel any pressure going into this big role? I mean, this is your biggest role to date. Or do you feel any pressure? Uh, you know, I, if I said I didn't, I'd be lying. Uh, you know, but I think it's just how you manage it, right? Um, and and I think that you know this cast. This this crew, the writers, you know, everybody has had such open arms, man, that it has really made the transition uh, a lot easier than I expected, to be honest with you. Um, you know, everyone is just you can talk to anybody. You know, if I if I don't under if I don't if I don't necessarily like the way that you know something might be going, people want to create. You know, at the end of the day, right. and that's what's a really cool thing. You know, this show has grown so much from what it was six seasons ago. And I think that, uh, you know, Mara and Salim and Kenny, you know, the, the, the execs of the show, I think what they realize is that, you know, allowing uh, these characters to grow and, and, and watching these actors grow and the stories, you know, change, um, it, it, it gives the show so much more life and so much more depth. And I think, you know, bringing a new guy in, uh, you know, who who does have a lot of parallels to Blue. You know, he's he's now on on a big stage. You know, this right. is his first shot out in this in in this big uh, you know big stage. I mean, you know what it is, and uh, you know, I think that what they've done is really made it comfortable for Jay Ellis to come in and experience that. Um, you know what I mean? But at the same time, still come in with a lot of love. And openness and communication, you know. Definitely, we're, we're talking. We're talking one, to one of the newest stars of BET's hit series, The Game, JLS. He will be playing Blue on this uh, new season of The Game. And what about Pooch Hall? I mean, he plays Derwin on the show. Will we mm-hmm. be seeing some Pooch this season? Absolutely. And you know what? That Pooch is one of the first. Yeah, my man. Congrats. Uh, you know, you're actually you're yeah. actually breaking up. Are you there? Sorry, I can hear you now. Yeah, uh, Pooch was one of the first people to walk over and just you know introduce himself and say congrats and you know what I mean just you know share his experience and his excitement for me and his excitement for where the show is headed and we will see more. We will definitely see more of Pooch on the game this year. So all the all the rumors out there that he's not there are wrong. Pooch will be back on the game this year. Okay, okay. So that 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 settles it. We will be seeing Pooch Hall on the game this season. We will be seeing Darwin Davis, and that's a good. That's a good thing. I mean, I think he's yeah. a good part of the show, a big part of the show, and it's good that he's coming back. Overall, and I know you can't say much about it, but 
overall, what should we expect this season on the game? <laughs> Man, there, it, there are some great, great, great stories this year. Uh, from uh, Malik is going to become a businessman. Uh, uh, Tasha Mack gets caught in a love triangle. Uh, you know, Blue's relationship uh, with Kiera, uh, with Kira, I'm sorry, grows, uh, and and that kind of goes through a roller coaster. Plus, you know, his experience being this this hot shot rookie on this team, uh, you know, thinking he's going to go in and be the guy. You know what I mean? And 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 it doesn't necessarily work out that way right out the gate. Uh, right. And then you got and then you got uh, Jason Pitts and Chardonnay, and and that relationship is just. The, the dynamic between those two is absolutely amazing to watch, man. Brandy, right. Brandy and Kobe do a really amazing job, and, and their storyline this year is great. So there's going to be a lot of fun this year, a lot of fun. How's it, how's it, how's it, how is it being on set with Brandy? Brandy is hilarious, man. I got to tell you right now, she's she is one of the funniest people I think I have ever sat with uh, and had a conversation with. She She's a sweetheart. Uh, you know, she's always present. She's in the conversation, and she's up running her line. You know, getting prepared for the scene with whoever you know she's working with. And uh, you know, and she's she's a mother, and she takes care of her family. And you know, she talks about her baby girl, and you know what's going on in her life. And you know, she's great, man. She's really, really awesome. Really, really great, man. <laughs> and, and at times, when you see her, do you think about some of her hit records? I want to be oh, down. Man. Blue every mood, all that stuff. The first thing I think about every single time I see that, literally, I, I, I might even start humming sitting up in my room to myself. <laughs> every single time I see her, that's like one of the first things that pops up in my head. And then I start thinking about I want to be down. And then I start thinking, about, I mean, you know, the list is she's got hit, man. And she's Definitely. got hits out right now. Her new album is amazing, man. She's just uh She's a talented girl. She's really, really talented and and beautiful, you know. And 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 she can sing, you know. And she starts talking to you with that voice, and you just get lost in her eyes. You know, it's, it's, it's easy to go to work at the game. I'm gonna say that. I, I, I can I can imagine. I mean, especially you. I mean, two words, Lauren London. Uh, let's move on now. <laughs> Jay, you play college basketball, so you know the game of basketball. You are the you are a Lakers fan, the second best team in LA right now. How do you feel about the Mike D'Antoni move? You listen, man. You know, uh, I, I I think like most Lakers fans, I'm very disappointed in 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 uh, in the front office for the Lakers. You know, I I think D'Antoni he, he's a good guy, but you know, at the end of the day. He's, he hasn't proven that he could really take a team there. Um, yeah. And obviously I'm going to go to the first place that everyone goes, defense. I mean, the dude, none of his teams have ever played defense. You know, he's got dudes that have ju- jumped away from the ball. You know, so, <laughs> you know, over the last, you know, whatever, few, you know, couple years, you know, over, over you know, Phoenix and, and New York, everybody that right. nobody jumped in front of the ball, you know what I mean? So, you know, and that's a big, that's a big thing. You know, when you got the, you know, when you got Dwight Howard sitting down there and he can block shots all day long, you can't, uh, you know, the guard, you, he can't, we can't, you know, just let our guards, you know, back off and play easy and let these dudes penetrate and then get two of the best big men in the league in foul trouble. You know, and and right. so that's a big a big thing for me. I also think at the end of the day, 
you got Phil Jackson, and it's Phil Jackson, and it's nothing else to say but Phil Jackson. Right. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? I mean, the dude could take water and turn it into Cristal. <laughs> he's just that legit, you know what I mean? So, uh, and, you know, and even if it was a short period of time, you know, I think you still bring in a guy like Phil and, and you, you, you build that team up and you get that transition from Kobe being the leader of the team to Dwight being the leader of the team. And then somebody else comes in and all they have to do is just follow the same playbook that Phil already set up for him. Absolutely. And the Lakers still get to run away with it for a few more years, you know. And, and the way I look at it is this, I mean, you have a situation where you have Phil Jackson, Mike D'Antoni. Phil Jackson, to me, is the dime girl. Mike D'Antoni is about the seven or eight girl. And you, <laughs> they made the decision to go with the seven or eight girl when you had the dime that was out there who wanted to come back. The dime wanted you. So right. when the dime wants you, usually you go after the dime. You don't go after the seven or eight. But at the hey. end of the day, I think the Lakers decided that the seven or eight was a little more compatible for their team. We'll see. You know. We'll see. You know, look again. We'll see. You know, I think this is a this is a this is a very star-studded Laker team, and uh, and a lot of egos, and not a lot of minutes, not a lot of shots. When you start looking at all the guys on that court, you right. know, and uh, he's got to be able to manage. You know, by far, you know, the biggest players, two of the biggest players in the league. Uh, and then when you throw in Powell and you throw in Nash, you know, we're talking about four of the probably top 15 players in this league. Right. You know, that's a, that's a lot to ask for a dude who hasn't won one. That's a lot to ask exactly. for a dude who couldn't control anybody in Phoenix or anybody in New York. That's true. And, and I said this. So, I said, to your point, Powell Gasol, top five, top ten power forward, Kobe, obviously top five player, top ten. You got Dwight, obviously top five, top ten type player, best center in the game. You got all these different pieces, Steve Nash as well. You got all these different pieces, but I'm starting to wonder, really, the reality is I don't think it's really going to mesh. I don't know if it really meshes. I'm, I'm really not sure if all these pieces truly mesh. And, the, you know, it's kind of like the, the heat from a couple years ago. To me, you know, the heat, it took a while. It took about a year for it to all come together. The only difference right, right, right. is the Lakers don't have time to wait. Nash is older, Kobe's getting older, right. and Dwight Howard may not even be back. Right, right, right. You know, so, you, you, you're right. We, we we don't have a lot of time. And you know one thing about Los Angeles is there is not a lost, there's not an Angelino that is patient about any team in that city. <laughs> everybody, gets, everybody gets upset really, really, really fast. And, uh, you know, you're right. I mean, to make those guys mesh. And, again, I think that's why you got to bring in a dude like Phil who, you know, to be honest with you, when I think of Phil Jackson, I think of um, he's like one of the last of the, like, respected coaches. Right. You know, I think there's guys in here that, that are paying their dues, younger guys uh, who work hard, who get after their players. You know, I watched this thing with Avery, this interview with Avery Johnson today, and one of the players was just like, he's intent. You know, and there's guys like that in this league. But I think, you know, I think Phil is George Carl and Phil. Uh, I'm trying to think who else is out there. But these, Popovich. These, are last, Popovich, these are some of the last, like, respected dudes in this league who have been here for a minute, who have seen it all, and who could manage all the egos, plus put a 
great game together, plus make you play defense, plus take you 82 games into the season, and then take you another half a season into, you know, into the playoffs. Definitely. Uh, you know, it's not a lot of dudes like that. So I just think, you know, it's even more of a reason that you bring a guy like Phil in uh, to, 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 bring that, to bring those guys together because they didn't get a lot of time to play together in training camp, you know. They, didn't, they, they, don't, they don't know each other that well, you know. Right, right. And, and I look at the other team in L.A., the Los Angeles Clippers. They beat, go into San Antonio, beat the Spurs. They beat the Lakers. They've beaten, they beaten the Spurs twice, actually. They've beaten the Lakers, yes, beaten the Grizzlies, beaten the Miami Heat. Are yes, the Clippers sir. the best team in L.A., Jay? Listen, man, I'm telling you, I, I, there, was this, uh, there was this thing. Of the, I don't know if you saw this power rankings that came out, but the Clippers, you got the Clippers at the number two team in the league right now, man. I, I, I. I can't say no. I can't say they're not. <laughs> I mean, it's sad to say it, but I can't say they're not. And I, I'm, I, I think I might bleed purple and gold. But I, I, I you know, the, the Clippers are playing some great basketball, man. I mean, I, I don't think anybody wants to see Chris Paul. No one. <laughs> right. You know, I think you know when he comes to town, I think everyone is like, uh oh, we're gonna have a tough night because he's gonna get the ball to everybody, not just some. <laughs> plus, he's gonna put up numbers himself. You know, and and they playing great basketball for and for a franchise that for so long was seen as a joke. It's it's it's, it's an amazing thing. It's really they amazing. are they're balling and they're deep. And oh, by the way, Grant Hill and Chauncey Billups are still on the bench in suits. So Crazy. those guys haven't played yet. This is a that's a deep team in L.A. And I think deep. at this point they are the best team in L.A. Jay, when it's all said and done, will the Lakers win the championship? with Mike D'Antoni in this current roster? That's a hard spot, man. You can't say it. I can't, I can't. That's a hard spot to put me in. Of course I'm going to say they will go win it, but, you know, I I, I got to put my faith in the players. Uh, not to knock Mike, man. I mean, he's, he's a good coach. And the dude, you know, man, that's a tough one. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Let's would, do this now. Let's do I'm this now. Western Conference. I'm going to give him Western Conference. How about that? Oh, let's do this now. Take off your Lakers underwear. Take off your Lakers tank top. Take off your Lakers socks. Now answer the question. Man, you know I I, I don't think so. I, I don't think I don't think this. You know I don't think the move. This, uh, not to say that a, a different coaching move would have definitely yielded a championship, but uh, I definitely don't think this coaching move will yield a championship okay. this year. This year. Okay. O- only thing I will say this. Has Mike D'Antoni really had the defenders that he has now? Kobe, decent defender, obviously, Metal World Peace, and, of course, Dwight Howard to anchor your back line. Right. He right. really hasn't had the type of talent that he has now on a defensive end. Not, I mean, not saying the, I mean, early on the Lakers really haven't been playing that great of defense, but right. they have the guys there to play defense. Overall, right. with Metal World Peace, Kobe, and Dwight Howard. So maybe it could change. Maybe he learned this lesson from New York and Phoenix. Maybe. Listen, I, I, I hope so, because, you know, Amari is a shot blocker. You, right. you know what I mean? There are pieces that have kind of been there for him. You know, again, I think it kind of goes back to, like, if dudes got to get their shot, you know, everybody's got to be happy that they're getting their touches, and you know what I mean? And, and, and everyone's got to feel like they're an integral part of the system. Uh, integral part of the system. Otherwise, you know, then dudes start to lax up on the other end a little bit. I don't think we got to worry about Ron Artest because I think that's just what it seems to be like. That's just what he does is play defense. Right. You know, he just shows up playing defense. Uh, and not, you know, and, and 
you know, again, it kind of goes back to that thing. If Dwight sees guards not really doing what they're supposed to do, he's going to slide out of the way because he don't want to get in foul trouble because, you know, he wants to be there all the way through. So, right. kind of. But he hasn't had these kind of defensive players. I mean, you know, you're talking about three elite defensive weapons. Definitely. Elite, you know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, that's we'll all see. Hopefully. 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 Look, I hope it works out for sure. But you never know. <laughs> We're talking to one of the newest stars of BET's The Game, actor Jay Ellison. Jay, you're also a big-time 49ers fan, and last night, Colin Kaepernick, he balled. Jim Harbaugh said he's going to go with the hot hand. Jay, would you stick with Colin Kaepernick as your quarterback? I know I wouldn't, but would you stick with Colin Kaepernick? You Wait, you would not or you would? I would not. Oh, my gosh, come on, man. He put it down last night. He, he put it down, he but I'll it- tell you this. this it's his first career start, and the one thing about Alex Smith, he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. A year ago, he only threw five interceptions, and that was the big thing, big thing about the 49ers, I thought. That was a team that does not hurt themselves. Kaepernick right. is young. He's a young quarterback. Young quarterbacks True. do young things and make mistakes. Are you True. willing to True. go with the young guy when you're that close to a championship? Well, you know, here's the thing. I think you're right. I think I, – I think I, I would hope, anyway, that uh, that that you know what Harbaugh is doing is, is, is thinking about just the spark. You know, there were a couple losses in there. You know, that tie last week was crazy. You know, that was bad. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. I'm still like blown away that that's even a rule. I I can't even believe that's still happening. Um, but you know, I think he, he he lit a little bit of a spark. And I think you know what we got with Alex is we know that he's a premier guy. We know that he's going to come in and do his job. You know, and you're right, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes, uh, uh, which is which is awesome. And we don't necessarily want to put him in a situation where he has to come in and clear up, clean up someone else's mistakes. But we do know that this dude gave us a great spark. And he got he everyone excited. And those, those those some of those dudes were jumping around. And they haven't jumped around like that since they first, you know, first or second win of the season. Right. And I think he you know, balled. He, he balled last night, man. Right. He definitely balled. I, I just don't – he's a young quarterback and mistakes will happen. But I will say this, he did do it against the Bears defense, and that's even more impressive. Right. So right. I, I would go with Alex Smith at this point. I'm not even sold on Alex Smith either, but he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> Right. I mean, you guys should have won, should have got to the Super Bowl last year. If I was a 49ers fan, I think I would be near the Golden Gate Bridge after that game against the Giants in the championship game. You were that close. Listen, I think I think probably half a candlestick drove up there and stood right next to the bridge, but they probably closed the bridge down. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? You're right. Like, we should have been there. It, you know, it was crazy. And, and look, I think at the end of the day, Alex is going to – we know he's going to end up back where he belongs, and he's going to end up back with the starting spot. Uh, yeah, you don't think so. you, you don't sit a dude like that down, you know. You don't Definitely. sit a guy who who gets you that close, you know. And right. he's still having a good, you know, he's still having a good season, you know. It's not like he's having, you know, well, you know, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but it's not like he has a bad season, you know. And we need to make a change, you know what I mean? Definitely. I mean, I agree with you. So, I, I think you, I think you stick with Alex, but we'll see how it all plays out. We really do. I mean, yeah. we'll have to see. And Jay. Obviously, you got the game going on. You're doing big things. You got a website as well. Where can fans connect with you on your website? Oh man, you can check me out at uh, www.jellis. 
Jayellis.com. That's J A Y E L L I S dot com. You can follow me at J R Ellis on Twitter. Uh, hit me up. I'm always talking about some random stuff, and I love to connect with people. Definitely, Jay. Support some of the great things that Jay Ellis has going on. And now, in terms of the game, it's still going to keep that Tuesday time slot, 10 p.m. Eastern. We still we're, uh, we're waiting on the time. They haven't given us that yet. We know that we're coming on uh, late January, either that last week of January or the first week of February. I think we're keeping our time slot, but they haven't given it confirmed it just yet. Okay, and you guys are currently still shooting episodes. Man, oh my goodness, man, we're in the thick of it. I mean, okay. we we in the middle of it. We go, we we actually go for about another uh, two and a half, almost three months. So uh, we're okay. putting in a lot of work so we can give you know give people laughing again you know and and, and let people have fun you know and we uh, we're doing it right now. And Jay, Thanksgiving is a couple days away. What is on the menu at the Ellis House? Chitlins? Are we going to see some chitlins on the menu? We're going to chicken. What's on the menu? Man, I'm still trying to figure out. <laughs> okay. I just got okay. here. And I'm like, what are we doing for Thanksgiving? No, I don't know. You know, my pops usually does a brisket every year, and mom gets in there and does, you know, greens and mac and cheese and cornbread and that whole thing. Right. And, you know, I'm a big ham person. I love a ham, so hopefully we'll get one of those too. No chitlins? No, I, we ain't done chitlins. We, we're not a chitlin house. That's a, that's a special house. We're not a chitlin house. We, we okay. ain't done chitlins in a really long time. One of my grandmas might do chitlins, though. Okay, okay. All right, all right. I'm definitely doing chitlins this year. I'm looking forward to it, man. Once a year, once a year thing for me. I'm going. I gotta have it. Gotta have it. Right. Good time. Right, right. Good no, times. It, it, and it's a Thanksgiving thing too. And that's what's interesting about it is it's not something that we ever had uh, around our house regularly, but it's something that every Thanksgiving it always popped up somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and real and quickly, and now, think, Jay, before you go ahead. No, no, no. no I was just saying, and I love it. I love it. Real quickly now, Jay, one more time, website, your Twitter handle. Yeah, it's www.jayellis.com. That's www.jayellis.com. And you can check me out. Follow me on Twitter at at J, the letter R, last name Ellis, at J-A-Y, the letter R-E-L-L-I-S, all day, every day. All day, every day. Make sure you check this man out on the game. He's doing big things on the game. Check out his character, Blue, the Blueprint, Bryce, the Blueprint, Westbrook, Jay Ellis, man. It was a pleasure talking to you. We wish you nothing you, but Paul. the best of luck. Let's do it again. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. We should, uh, let's get up when, we, when, when the season starts. Definitely. Take care. All right, man. Have a good one. You. Happy Thanksgiving. You too, man. Happy, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there, too. Jay Ellis, one of the newest members of BET's hit series, The Game. Make sure you check it out. It's a big-time show. He's doing big things. He's the blueprint. Bryce, the blueprint, blueprint, excuse me, Westbrook, doing big things opposite Lauren London, the lovely, the talented, the beautiful Lauren London. He has a lot to be thankful for. His love interest on the game is Lauren London. Enough said. And I want to thank Jay Ellis for stopping by. Make sure you follow Jay Ellis on Twitter, J.R. Ellis. Follow him on Twitter. Also go to his website, www.jellis.com. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgame where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at go for it can Thanksgiving is a couple days away. Make sure you enjoy your Thanksgiving. Eat a lot of turkey. 
stuffing, mashed potatoes, cranberry sauce, so on and so forth, chitlins. Eat it all. Enjoy it all. Have a great time. And I hope to see you and hear you on Saturday as we be as we will be back. Happy Thanksgiving. For everybody here, go for it. See you later. Take care. Bye.